How many of you have ever started something and wanted to quit or you quit it? Come on, put your hand up. Okay, some of you are lying right now. Your hand's not up. Like, come on. We all have quit something that we wished we wouldn't have quit or we're glad we quit. We quit. Like a diet. I'm really glad when I get to quit the diet. That's really, I have no problem with that. Uh, if I had to choose between quitting eating ice cream, cream or quitting the gym, it's much easier to quit the gym. Can I get an amen somebody out there, right? Ice cream. I had some this week for the first time in a long time. My wife led me astray. <laughs> Vanilla ice cream. Uh, you don't keep quiet down there. I got my. I got the microphone. Don't anybody give her a microphone. That's a couple of weeks from now. Coconut cream sauce on it. It was so good from Hawaii. Mm. But 2013, uh, I had made a decision. Actually, I had hoped to uh, run a half marathon by the time I was 40, and it didn't happen for various reasons. And uh, by 2013, at the beginning of the year, I made a decision. I said, today, or this year, is going to be my year, not today. Don't ever do a half marathon on today. I'm going to do that. That's not a good thing. Uh, so I made a decision to start. Uh, I said, there's one in September th that year in Surrey, which was the first and last one in Surrey at that time. And uh, so I started to train, and I did it uh, without anybody knowing. Uh, I went to a local park near our, where we lived, and I ran, went out into just a park and just ran in circles for a little while. And, and I thought, I'm going to do this for a while till, till I uh, get tired. And so I went around it once, and I went home. Uh, <laughs> not really. I went three times. It's really good. Uh, but I pushed myself for a little while, and each time, and I have this strange thing. When I really push myself in exercise, uh, which I have two speeds. It's like on the couch or like full speed. And so I'm running around there, and almost every time uh, the contents of my stomach help to fertilize the, the, the grass. And so I do that a lot. Uh, every time, pretty much, people are like, are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine. I know I'm I really worked hard today because I did that. And so, but I had this goal. I really wanted to quit every time that that happens, but I had that goal. And then somebody else roped me into Tough Mudder as well. So June of that year, I did Tough Mudder. And then September, I did a half marathon. Uh, and since then, I've done nothing. But it was a good year. <laughs> it's true. I, I injured myself, and I've, that's been my excuse five years later. So I know some of you feel that, right? But I have signed up for 2019 Tough Mudder because I've got to do it once more before I turn 50. And after that, it's like over. No, I'm not kidding. I, I hope to survive. Uh, but sometimes you really want to quit. There's been periods of time in our marriage that I think if you asked Shander or I privately, uh, we wanted to quit because it was difficult. There was difficult situations, difficult communication breakdowns, all kinds of stuff that were happening and di distractions that were going on and where you just want to quit sometimes. It's, it's not easy all the time to keep going in all kinds of different things. And somebody actually asked me this, asked me this, this week, which was how, um, how often or have you ever felt like quitting, leading and pastoring a church? I said, do you mean this week? <laughs> Not really this week, but there are times when things flash through your mind and you think, man, I think it would be easier to quit. 
Um, and, and everybody don't like, it's all right. You can pray for Marie, that's good, but there's nothing imminent or anything like that. Relax. But over the course of 25 years, there's probably been five or six times that I thought, man, I don't want to keep doing this. It is too hard. Uh, and all of us have those things. It's not because, oh, the ministry is so hard and business is so easy or whatever. I'm just, this is the world I live in. And, and in whatever sphere we're in, there are times that you feel like quitting. You don't feel like going on. We, we quit marriages. We quit jobs. We quit friendships. We, we quit the purposes of God. We quit things. Sometimes we're still here, but we've quit emotionally. Sometimes we're still in, in marriages, but we've quit a long time ago. And so often quitting is kind of a thing that we do in our culture. We're, we're good at that. We, we do it regularly. And I don't want to get weaker and quit, though. I need to get stronger so I can finish strong. We've been talking in our series Stronger about out of Jeremiah 17, which is one of the Old Testament prophets, and, and he's talking about difficult times and, and the Lord's response to the people who were complaining. He says, Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert. With no hope for the future, they will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat, not worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. A picture of how life is. Life is sometimes hot where pressure is on you. Life is sometimes long seasons where you feel like, man, can I continue to go on? Can I continue to push through this? Because everything around me is hot and I'm bothered. Both of these environments, though, experience heat. Both of them experience long seasons of drought. One, though, one goes, comes out thriving getting stronger, getting larger, getting more fruitful, getting more what it was always intended to be. But one comes out surviving, getting weaker, getting smaller, getting more stunted, getting less. But you see, many of us are in that space where we feel more identified with the stunted, less than survival of that little shrub. But that may be your real but God's ideal is that you would be fruitful, staying green, always producing fruit. That in every season, in every difficulty, in every painful time, that somehow that God would produce a fruit in you. Your real may be here, but God's ideal is here. And in the space between the two, in the gap, mind the gap, the gap is filled in by the grace and the goodness of God. And he takes us from our real and leads us towards his ideal. And it's okay if your real's here. God is leading you towards his ideal in you. The same environment, different results. Why? Because one trusts in the Lord. It talks about the trust in the Lord represents going down deep into the water. Two weeks ago, we talked about who you trust with your life determines the strength of your life. And last week, we talked about one of the most common things that saps and robs the strength of people, and that's unforgiveness. And if you want to hear about that, because forgiveness doesn't change your past, but it can certainly change your future. But so you can find that on our 
uh, on our website, horizonfam.ca, if you want to look at that. But when you're a follower of Jesus, whatever the reason the heat is on, whatever the length of the season that the heat is on, you can grow stronger. The fault might be somebody else's, but you can still grow stronger. The fault might be something you did, but through Jesus, you can still grow stronger. You are not determined by your environment. Your future is not determined by what you've gone through. Your future is determined by who you trust. Let your roots grow down deep. Father, I thank you for your goodness, Lord. I thank you that you've made us to be stronger. Lord, give us courage and strength and ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. It was 40 years ago on October the 20th, 1968, in Mexico City, Olympic Stadium. It was 7 o'clock at night. The closing ceremonies of the Olympics had happened. The bands was packing up. The spectators and athletes were still gathering their belongings, trying, getting ready to leave the, the stadium. And then the announcer asked them, please remain in your seats. And down the boulevard came the wail of police sirens. And people saw that the motorbikes were going around one person who was walking and making their way towards the stadium. Whoever it was, they were moving super slow. Everyone remained seated while this last chapter of the Olympics came to a close. And by the time the police escort got into the stadium, the public address announced, this is the final marathoner. You can look this up. The final marathoner will be making his way into the stadium and around the track one final time to the finish line. Confusion was evident in the crowd. What is going on? The last mar marathoner had come in hours ago, well before the closing ceremonies. The medals had already been awarded. What had taken him so long? But the, as that man came into the stadium, it became evident why it had taken him so long. His name was John Aquari from Tanzania. He was covered in blood, hobbling into the light. He had taken a horrible fall early in the race, whacked his head, damaged his knee, and endured a trampling from all the other racers until he got up. And there he was, 40 kilometers later, stumbling his way to the finish line. The response from the crowd was overwhelming. It was almost frightening. They encouraged him, who through the last few meters of the race, with a thundering ovation that far exceeded the ovation that the winner had gotten hours earlier. And the next day, as he crossed the finish line, he literally collapsed and into the arms of the medical personnel who whisked him away. And the next day at the, the press conference, he was asked, why did you keep going when you knew you had no hope of placing you knew the race was well over. Why would you get up to the finish line? And John Stephen Aquari said this, My country did not send me 11,000 kilometers to start a race. They sent me 11,000 kilometers to finish a race. You see, God gives us life, and he starts us in a race. And we're all here for a purpose in God. Whether you know him or not, God has a purpose for your life. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God's prepared in advance for you to do. That the, God has created you with purpose. Before you were born, he knew you and set you apart. Your purpose is bigger than you. Because of the imprint of God on you, there's something in you that can't, you can't get away from, that you want your life to have impact. You want your life to have meaning. You want your life to have purpose. Because you're an image bearer of God. And because of Jesus, we are created to be visionaries. We are created to be dreamers. 
We are created to be ones that would see a world that does not yet exist and pray and work and prophesy and proclaim until we see his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You could have been born at any other time in history, but now, here you are. Your time is now. You are needed now. Your gifts are needed now. Your talents are needed now. Your vision is needed now. But there is an enemy that does not want you to grow stronger into the purpose of God for your life. There is an enemy that does not want you to live out the purpose of God for your life. And so he brings all kinds of things at you. He'll throw everything and everything at you because he wants to attempt to get you to disobey God and get off track and get sidetracked from your call. He'll attempt to distract you and get you to settle for lesser things so that you might not get off track, but you slow down so slowly that you forget even what you're moving into. And sometimes it's the enemy and sometimes it's just life. Where the enemy, he'll sometimes want to quit you to quit. He wants to destroy your potential, your purpose, your hope, the vision, and get you to settle in. But sometimes it's just life carrying too many responsibilities, overwhelmed with what's happening, weighed down by the burden of things you just can't seem to figure out. Daniel, if you want to bring me my stuff there. And whether or why it happens, it can be... where you take on just more stuff and more stuff and too many responsibilities and you get weighed down by things and you feel like all you're doing is carrying them and it, whether it's the pressure from the enemy or it's the things that are going on around you or trying to limit you. It wants to stop and limit your race. The pressure and Paul the Apostle said this in 2 Corinthians 1 and 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. Has anybody ever felt that in a house? Far beyond our ability to endure. Under great pressure so that we despaired of life itself. Even Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, who was called by God, who had seen miracles and all kinds of stuff, said, I don't know if I can handle anymore. There's days where I despair of all this, and I feel like quitting and, and turning it all in, and I want to go back to just making tents instead of being in this intense vocation that I'm in. And yet, despite overwhelming hardship, opposition, persecution, and difficulty, Paul's goal throughout was to get stronger and persevere and complete the task given to him. In 2 Timothy, the same man who said that said this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Yet too often in our culture and in our, in our world, and whether you're a Christ follower or not, we have become a generation of quitters. We quit places of leadership. We quit our marriages. We drop out of church. We quit praying. We get hurt and discouraged, and we quit dreaming. And many start strong, and that's the easy part. But friends, few, far, far fewer finish strong. But how do we finish strong? How do we stay strong when the pressure is on just to quit? Hebrews chapter 2 or 12 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart, so that you will not grow weary and quit, so that you will not grow weary and stop, so that you will not grow weary and settle in, so that you will not grow weary and say, I can't take it anymore. The word therefore connects verse 1 with a whole list in chapter 11. In chapter 11, it's a, it's a whole chapter filled with talks about what we call the hall of faith in the Bible. It talks about people who believe God to do incredible things. Noah, who built an ark when it, nobody had given him any plans except God. People who believe God to, to defeat armies. People who believe God to heal things. And they had gone through all kinds of difficulty and all kinds of pressure. Some of them saw the result of their faith. Some of them didn't. Yet they knew that they were playing a part in the great story of God. That they knew that whether... They saw their victory here or some other day. Somebody else walked out because walked it out because of their faithfulness. They knew that they were part of a grand story. They were part of a grand story of God restoring creation, of God restoring cities, of God restoring people, of God healing marriages. They knew that their part was not insignificant. They knew that their part was nothing to quit on. They knew that their part meant something. And some of us are sitting here because somebody didn't quit on you. Somebody believed you and believed in you when nobody else did. And somebody today needs to hear it again. Don't quit because there's somebody that needs you to hang in there. So therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, like that man who walked into in 1968 into Olympic Stadium in Mexico City, and walks into, and there was a great cloud of witnesses who said, we've seen it happen before, and we, and just begin to cheer him on. And that great cloud of, of chapter 11, all these heroes of the faith, it pictures them in, in heaven cheering us on and, and providing an example for us that no matter what you're going through, no matter what pressure you're under, no matter how great the, the, the fear that you feel in your heart or why you want to quit, that therefore, since you're surrounded by such a great cloud, Run. Run the race marked out for you. Run the race marked out for you. Some of us are running races that are not our races. And that's why you can't run it. It's because it's not your race to run. You're running the race of somebody else's expectation. You're running the race of what you think culture says you should do. You've settled for something that's not your race. And so there's no grace for your race because it's not actually your race. Let us run. And he says there's several let us's there. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off whatever hinders us. Everything that hinders us. We must throw off anything that hinders God's plan for our life, even though it may be right and fine for someone else, but it's not for you. And that's, this is not a sin issue. Just sometimes we do a lot of good things. We take on a lot of good things that are just wait for us, that are not for us, that are somebody else's, or maybe something that we think that we picked up that are not actually Ours. Someone said you cannot run well in an overcoat. It's so true. And you cannot run well with stuff you're carrying that's not yours to carry. Not sin issues, but with things that hinder you. When we try to do things that God has not called us to do, throw it off. When we demand that God answers prayer on our way and our timing 
And instead of trusting him, throw it off. When sometimes it's pursuing a business with the wrong ambition or the wrong timing, throw it off. Sometimes it's a hobby that just takes all your time and robs your, your destiny. Sometimes it's too many followers that you're concerned about on Instagram, throw it off. Sometimes it's the pressure of trying to meet some standard that's not yours to meet, throw it off. Perhaps it's a, an ambition, it's a career, it's a, I don't know. Perhaps it's trying to look good for everybody else, but throw it off. You don't need to carry it. Simplify a lot of things that are not yours to carry so that you can run the race that God has marked out for you. Don't be distracted. So everything is not evil, but some things are not for you. Doesn't mean they're evil, they're just not for you. Yeah, but that person gets to do that and they go to that, that that's not you. God and that's why we want to teach all of us how to hear the voice of God. That's why we encourage you to get into the Word of God. Because God has a purpose and a plan for your life. That's why we do something like Grow Track, where we say, hey, we don't want you to just go through life trying to figure out what God has for you. God has a purpose for your life. And Grow Track, right after the service, is part of that process to help you find your purpose. But so often we're distracted or hindered by all kinds of things. In 1996, another Olympic story, the U.S. women's softball team won the gold medal. They lost one game. And it was in the fifth inning against Australia when Danielle Tyler of the Americans hit her home run over the center field fence. She floated around the bases with a, just adrenaline. She was so pumped. She let her excitement, though, as she got to the base, the home plate, her teammates swarmed her, and they were hooting and hollering as only Americans can do. Right, Americans? Right? Come on. USA. Thought I would have heard some of you, but it's all right. Somebody's, I got somebody in the back waving at me. It's okay. But there she was. And, but in all of her excitement, she got distracted, and she did not touch home plate. When all the yelling subsided, the Australian team quietly appealed to the umpire, who dramatically called her out. Rather than scoring a run, her blast over the fence netted her team and out, and as it ended up, had she stepped on home plate, her team would have won one to nothing. Instead, in extra innings, Australia scored to win the ball game and hand America its only defeat. Don't let that happen to you. Don't be distracted by things that take you out of your race. What's distracting you? What's distracting you from knowing what God's called you? What's distracting you from pursuing what God has for you? Because you were not sent to start a race. You were sent to finish it. Let us throw off something else, the sin that entangles us. Therefore, since we are surrounded, he might be a hunter, but he doesn't know how to tie knots. There we go. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. If good things can hinder our progress, how much more would sin hinder our progress? And that's why we talk about sin here. We talk about that we don't have it all together. We talk about that we have issues. You should have said amen to that. I mean, yeah, I look at you, Pastor. We know. There are different ways in which sin can entangle us. We have something called a set-free retreat that we do twice a year that helps us to get free of the sin that entangles us. 
but you don't have to wait for a set-free retreat. Sometimes personal sin will entangle you. For example, many pastors are habitual people-pleasers or struggle with that. Not, not, not talking about anybody I know. But if I stay in that, I will be shackled from pleasing the Lord when the Lord asks me to do something that might be unpopular with you. That would be a sin entangling me to stop me from reaching what God has for me. What sin is entangling you? Throw it off. Is it pornography? Is it gossip? Is it sexual sin? Is it an addiction? Is it addiction to approval? What? You know yours. Personal sin entangles us. Shame from our past also entangles us. Sin that's already been forgiven by Jesus, but you still live as if it isn't. Paul, who we have already talked about, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and, but prior to his conversion, he was a religious terrorist, basically, where he went around scooping up people who didn't believe the same way that he believed and persecuted them and even murdered them. Do you think he struggled with his past from time to time? I think he did. But he knew better to get out of there because if he were going to fulfill God's call on his life, he had to step out of what was and into what is. Philippians 3, he wrote this. He said, one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain towards, using that erase analogy again, I strain towards what's ahead and I press on towards the goal. Some of us continue to punish ourselves internally in our own private hell of shame and and, and uh anxiety and fear that Jesus has already forgiven. And when you repent, he doesn't hold it over you. John 4, 8, 1, 1 John 4, 18. But his perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. It's forgiven. Come near. His love overwhelms it all. His love drives it out. He doesn't hold you at a dozen distance. He doesn't put you in a naughty corner. He doesn't say stop. But so often we stay in what was instead of stepping into what is. And I read this this week, how powerful the love of Jesus. Chris Valentin says, let Jesus love the hell out of you. Because some of us have our own private hell, and the thing that's going to happen, you've tried all kinds of things. The love of Jesus will push it out of you in a way that nothing else can. So let Jesus love the hell out of you. If you want to complain, Craig at horizonchurch.ca. Jesus is not disappointed in you. He loves you how you are. He loves you where you are. He loves what you, uh, you in spite of what you've gone through. You're forgiven. Don't let what you were stop you from becoming who you are in Jesus. The third level of sin is unforgiven sins, which may impede you. We talked about it last week, how sin or unforgiveness has this ability to trip us up. But you don't have to stay there any longer. Forgiveness doesn't change your past, but it can certainly change your future. Don't let memories manipulate you. Get the help that you need, whether it's a counselor, whether it's a psychiatrist, whether it's prayer, or any and all of the above. But get the help. But don't play the victim card. Don't sit on the infield of the track of the, when the race of your life is right there in front of you. But go after and forgive. And I'll just continue to deal with the sin that so easily entangles you and say, I'm going to throw it off. I'm not going to let it uh, stay here anymore and trip me up and stop me from being what God's called me to be, whether it was something I did in the past that Jesus forgiven, whether it's something that somebody did to me that I need to forgive, but I'm going to throw it off. Get on with the future because that's where you're going to spend the rest of your life. It's a brand new day.
You run for the finish line because you were not sent to start a race. You were sent to finish one. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus for our empowerment. I love how it says, let's fix our eyes. It's, it's like I don't stop looking at Jesus. I don't stop looking at, and it's trying to give us a picture that when you're racing, you don't take your eyes off the finish line. You, don't, you actually look through the finish line because if you start looking at what's around you, you will not win your race. And so it uses that race analogy again to fix your eyes on Jesus. Don't look at what you're going through. Don't look at where you were. Don't look at who's around you, but fix your eyes on Jesus. Let him empower you. Let him fill you with his grace. Let him lead you onward. Let him say, come on, you can do it. Hebrews 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. And moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year, as we look to him, we shall find the strength to persevere and complete the race. Ephesians 3, 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, Jesus would strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner man. We believe that you can have a relationship with Jesus. It's not something you can just read about, but as you wait in prayer, we teach hearing God. We give you opportunity to learn how to do devotion so that God can speak to you and empower you. That's why we worship together so that you can be strengthened. That's why we worship every day so that the strength of Jesus can be an experience that we have, not something we read about, not something for somebody else, but the very person of Jesus strengthens you and as it says in Ephesians 3, I pray that he may strengthen you with power on your inner man. Isaiah 40 says this, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint or quit. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. Say, I'm getting stronger Okay, let's try that again. I'm getting stronger. Yeah. They will soar high on wings like eagles. I will soar. Some of you were thinking I was going to say I'm getting higher. I'm not doing that. <laughs> um, that was the last week. but <laughs> They will soar high on wings like eagles. I will soar. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not quit. The very life of Jesus flows in. We don't want you to have a relationship with a, a God up there, but actually the God of heaven is inside of you. And uh, the last uh, week of September, uh, Shanda preached that the power of Jesus is inside of you to overcome every mountain that's in front of you. It's not a theory. It's the reality of the God of heaven loves you, is for you, empowers you, strengthens you, takes you places that you didn't think you could go, uh, does a work in your heart that takes you past, your failure that takes you past, the work part of your life and says that what you were does not have to be who you are. You might have been through all hell, but through the power of Jesus, I'm just going to keep my eyes on Jesus because you know what? As I trust in Jesus, I'm going to find new strength. I'm going to keep moving and trusting in Jesus because I'm going to soar high. I'm going to keep going after Jesus and I'm going to run and not grow weary. I'm going to walk and not faint. I am not going to quit because somebody is looking at me. Somebody is hanging in for me. I'm hanging in for somebody else. But the very life of Jesus, that's why the writer of, of Hebrews says this to us. He said, I want to help you to grow stronger in the face of stiff opposition, in the face of uh, things that seem to overwhelm you. But what does the writer say at the end of the verse 3? He says, consider him who endured such opposition so that you will grow, not grow weary and lose heart. Do you ever get weary and discouraged? 
Of course you do. Galatians 6 and 9 says this, so let us not become weary in doing good, for at the right time, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. You will see things that are impossible for you today if you don't give up. You will make it through if you don't give up. You will make it to the finish line if you don't give up. You will fight the fight. You will finish the race if you don't give up. Do not become weary and don't give up. When I'm discouraged, I'm thinking and saying things like, it can't be done. I don't see a way for it to happen. And that's the exact opposite of saying, I know God can do it because he said this. I know God can do it because I've seen him do it before. I know that God has come through me in the past, and he will come through me in my present. And so you can stand in discouragement. But what is discouraging you today? Is it your child? Is it your marriage? Is it your financial situation? Whatever is discouraging and threatening you uh, to make you want to quit, you can overcome it. Those negative thoughts, though, you cannot tolerate them. You must resist discouragement. You must resist discouragement. Somebody needs to hear that. You must resist discouragement. And you're saying inside, God, I just can't take it anymore. You can take it some more because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You need to resist it. Many times the pressure is greatest when the breakthrough is the closest. And you're a moment away from seeing what you've been waiting for and you stop just before the finish line. I quit. You see, that's why we fix our eyes on Jesus. Because he knows the end from the beginning. He's the strengthener of you. He's the helper of you. He's the one that makes a way where there is no way. The worship team wants to come. Many times the pressure is the greatest when the breakthrough is the closest. So instead of looking at that huge disappointment, you can choose to look at God's goodness yesterday, his presence today, and his promises tomorrow. What will you choose to focus on? Your purpose or your problems, God's power, or your weakness, on Christ, or your circumstance, because you were not sent to start a race. You were sent to finish one. We do not quit. We do not stop. We keep going. In 1923, got an Olympic theme, leading up to the 1924 Olympics, Eric Liddell, Chariots of Fire, he was one of the first to break the four-minute mile. And that's a great movie, uh, Chariots of Fire, uh, just on perseverance and continuing going all on. But in the year before that, he ran the 440 in a competition between England, Ireland, and Scotland in the UK. And when the gun sounded, there was a lot of shoving to get uh, uh, to the front of the inside lane. And he tangled feet with another guy from England, and he tumbled to the track. He sat there dazed for a moment not knowing where he could go, whether he could get up, when the official screamed at him, get up and run. And he jumped to his feet and took off after the pack, which was now a full 20 meters ahead of him. And in, uh, in a moment, in a 440, I should say, race, that's a long ways, 20 meters in front of you. You only have a little ways to go. And his unorthodox style of running, he took off after that pack. He pulled into fourth place, 10 yards behind a leader, the same guy that had tripped him up. With 40 meters to go, he pulled into third place and then second. And right at the tape, he passed the guy who had tripped him up, stuck his chest out, won the race, and collapsed to the track in total exhaustion. I didn't come to start a race. I came to finish a race. 
Isaiah 41 and 10. I am your God who will strengthen you and help you. God's got you. Don't you quit. You didn't come to start a race. You came to finish one. Get up and run. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 3. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you. God's got you. Don't quit. Get up and run. Philippians 4 and 13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do when things are good. I can do when things are bad. I can do when I don't know what to do. I can still do that. I can still keep going when I feel like stopping because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. God's got me. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to get up and run. And I'm going to run the race marked out for me. I'm going to run until I can't run no more. I'm going to keep running because there's the joy set before him. Look at this, what it says about Jesus. It says, consider him and think about Jesus. He endured the cross. He didn't care about the pain of the cross because he endured the cross, scorning its shame. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's the part before his endurance. You have to keep your perspective right. You're not just hanging on for no reason. For the joy set before him, his joy was seeing people who are far from him find their way to him. His joy was, I can go through everything of this. I can take the weight of sin on my shoulders because of the joy set before him. Seeing families restored. Seeing addictions broke. Seeing lives step into wholeness. He's counted it joy. And while we were yet sinners, wanted nothing to do with him, he died for us. When we wanted nothing to do with him, he says he came to save for God so loved the world, he gave himself. But you were not sent to start a race. You were sent to finish it. First Peter 5 and 10 says, After your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Sometimes the things that you're going through are preparing you for what you have always dreamed for your life. After your brief suffering, the God of all loving grace will personally and powerfully restore you and make you stronger than ever. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off the sin that so easily entangles. And let us fix our eyes on Jesus. You were not sent to start a race. You were sent to finish it. I invite you to stand and we're going to close out our Wow. Look at that. I started off by saying that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. The, the journey of your life started at your birth, but when you discover who Jesus is, the journey that God intends for your life can begin. It's a life that's filled with hope. It's a life that's filled with purpose. It's a life that's filled with meaning. And if you've never made Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life and say, God, I want you to be the leader of my life. I need you to be the leader of my life, to lead me on the race of my life. It's as simple as that. Lord, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I'm a sinner. 
I need you to forgive my life, my sins, and I invite you to be the leader of my life. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is my Savior, and I confess that he is my Savior. And bow your head. just want to give privacy to the people around you. We always believe that we need to respond to the Word of God. If you're here and you've never made Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life, or maybe you want to rededicate your life because you know that you're not right with God, just throw your hand up all around the room. On my left, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's simple as that. Acknowledge that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for your sin. Confess that he's the leader of your life. Now, the rest of us. So if you pray, I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus. I thank you that you sent Jesus to start us on a brand new race, Lord, that our race of our life, the good things that you have stored up in advance for us to do, Lord. Father, I pray that those that pray with me right now, Lord, thank you that they transfer from death to life. Lord, they transfer from another lane into the lane of heaven. So, Lord, Jesus, I ask you to forgive my sin. If that's you, pray along with me in your quietness of your heart. I ask you to forgive my sin. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I invite you to lead my life from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. You prayed that prayer. Tell the person that you came with. Let them know or talk to me or one of the pastors. Secondly, with everybody else, just your eyes closed and head bowed. I just want to respond to the Word of God. If you know today that there's some things you need to just throw off, whether it's just hindrances and things that need to go, Maybe it's uh, sins, sin issues, maybe sin done to you, sin done by you, shame that you're carrying from things that have happened in the past. If you know you need to just let go of that, just throw your hand up around the room. Just need to throw it off. Yeah. Come on, be brave. Throw it off. We're going to pray in a moment. Just throw it off. Throw it off. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and bitterness, whatever it is. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus right now, Maybe if that's you praying, just keep your eyes closed around. There's lots of people around the room. Just make a motion of just kind of throwing something off. Just make a motion, just throw it out. Father, thank you that you break every chain, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to give wisdom to what things need to be, what hindrances need to go. Thank you that you're going to give wisdom, Lord, to the sin issues. You're breaking the chain right now of shame, right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the shame and everything that, that comes along with it. We command it to go in Jesus' name. Thank you for life being released right now. Father, we fix our eyes on Jesus. Lord, you're the way maker. You went, you prepared the way in front of us. Lord, thank you that a future is possible because of Jesus. Thank you that you're strengthening right now. Thank you that you're lifting things right now in the name of Jesus.